I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often in hours. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one-day rule on its head and offer back-to-back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code DATABLE and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. The Datable Podcast is hosted by me, I'm Yue, a former dating coach in New York turned active dater in San Francisco. On each episode, you'll hear commentary by my producer, Julie Kraftchik, and other surprise co-hosts. This episode of Datable is brought to you by 500 Brunches. 500 Brunches connects like-minded people with similar interests to meet in real life over brunch. You answer a quick questionnaire about your interests and how you spend your time, and then they'll match you in small groups of six to eight at a brunch spot in San Francisco. Get a free entry into a brunch now by signing up at 500brunches.com and using the code DATEABLE. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Datable, a show that opens up a candid conversation about modern dating. We have a full house today, and I know I say that all the time, but it actually feels like we have a full house today because we're all sitting really close to each other. <laughs> so it's like a little powwow on my floor. I have a special guest host. His name is Boris. If you remember him, he was part of our season finale for season three. Uh, the story is about him and his now wife, Kate, and kind of their story of how they met, which was on J-Date. <laughs> and she's not, uh, she's not Jewish. And so he's a now a married man, and we thought it would be interesting to get Boris on the show and get a married man's perspective. 
Want to say a little hi? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Hello. Uh, big fan of the uh, season ender. Oh, yeah, because it's about you. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was great. He's been in San Francisco for six years, originally from Boston. We've had so many Bostonians on our show. I feel like we should just move to Boston. San Francisco is overfilled with East Coasters. <laughs> totally. But especially Boston. I don't know why that is. But it's because it's such a lovely place to live. And our special guest today, uh, her name is Ava. She's been in San Francisco for eight years. She's originally from Olympia, Washington, and she's 30 years old. Okay, so Ava, you're bringing on a topic that we haven't really covered on our show. All right. So tell me about why you're here. I, I don't think I have that interesting of a, of a sex life or life, but um, I am into rope bondage and I'm in the kink scene here, so I'm here to talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> I will admit this, I'm super vanilla, so I, this is something I really don't know anything about. Julie and I watched the new Fifty Shades uh, last oh, week. how you feel about as that. We, we watched it that. as homework. Uh, to study up and research, to study up on oh. what this world is all about. You're like, no. Uh, <laughs> I could have given you some better movies. <laughs> but I guess my, my biggest question is, how do you find out you're into this rope bondage? That's a really good question. Um, so I've always known that I've been a little weird and kinky, especially in bed. Um, when I had boyfriends in high school and college, I was always into rough sex, um, you know, like spanking, rape fantasies, kind of stuff that was a little outside of the box. Um, and my boyfriends were always really great and they indulged my fantasies. Um, but it wasn't until I went to dun, 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 Burning Man <laughs> that I really discovered... Um, <laughs> Clichés coming to life here. I know. San Francisco Burning Man. Yeah, no, uh, when, I, when I went to Burning Man for the first time in 2013 uh, and I found a camp called suspended animation and their whole shtick is they tie people up um, you know and hang them from points and kind of let them have a, what they call a bondage ride so I got my first bondage ride at the burn and Whoa. from then on I was completely hooked total rope slut um, I didn't actually get to dive in like right after the burn because I was dating a, a partner who was pretty vanilla and not super into it. Um, so I broke up with him a couple years later, and then I went full bore into rope uh, in Portland, Oregon, actually. Um, so that's how I got into it. <laughs> was it the people you were with that sort of brought this out in you, or were you just, you always had it, you were yeah. like drawn to that kind of porn, or what, what was it, that initial seed? It's just, you know, I don't have really a great answer for this one. I think it has a lot of things to do with, like, my upbringing. I was raised Catholic, so I always mm. associated sex and intimacy with a lot of guilt oh, and shame. Always the Catholic girls. Yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> the Catholic girls are the craziest in bed, I'd like to think. But um, also, like, you know... If I wasn't, like, if I was having the action done to me, I didn't feel as guilty about it, kind of. So that's why I kind of liked being, like, taken over and restrained. Um, that's why I liked, you know, a little bit of, like, masochistic tendencies in bed. Like, spanking was really fun for me. Like, being held down was really fun for me. Um, and so that all kind of plays into why I, like, wrote bondage as well. Um, but honestly, bondage can be non-sexual. And for, and part of me does, like, non-sexual rope bondage, um, Part of me does sexual rope bondage. What's <laughs> so really depends. Yeah, yeah. Boris and I just gave each other a look. Yeah, yeah. What's non-sexual rope bondage? Um, so people 
get into rope for all kinds of different reasons. Um, you can do rope that doesn't have any sort of like penetration. They'll, they'll be like, you know, touching between two people that are sharing a rope experience. But um, you can also get into like a headspace in rope that is similar to like Zen yoga, kind of just like a complete emptying and like a focusing inward on sensations that are happening to you. And that actually was like part of the reason I really liked the, my first experience as a suspended animation was because I got to totally like turn off my brain, all the voices, you know, that run through my head telling me certain things just kind of shut up for a second and I was able to get like fucking zen which doesn't happen to me very often I'm kind of neurotic <laughs> so, so so like a literal just giving up all control yeah you mm. give up all control you give up you know mobility um, you're also in the case of what I did which is suspension bondage hanging upside down so you mm. have kind of like head rush going on endorphins going on and it all culminates into this this kind of beautiful um, I don't know, kind of almost spiritual experience, I'd have to say. So, or you're just about to pass out from all the blood that's run- <laughs> rushing to your Maybe head. that's it. Um, I mean, if I'm, I actually have almost passed out in rope, and you do know when you're going to pass out, and that's the bad, the bad feeling. <laughs> so, no, it wasn't like that. But. So, so for uh, someone who's never experienced this before, would you say like, oh, you can start out with non-sexual rope? bondage yeah i mean like i brought rope i could tie you up right now and it would be non-sexual i would just kind of show you like a one little tie do you always bring rope uh i just everywhere no not everywhere (laughs) but i was coming to this thing and i was like well i should probably bring like all my stuff (laughs) just in case the answer should have been yes (laughs) (laughs) i bring rope everywhere to the grocery store (laughs) to the mall i did bring it on my tinder date last night but he did not want me to tie him up i was like okay well you're out (laughs) (laughs) was it a first date yeah it was a first date and you brought rope i was also going to a rope after like the tinder date a rope event so it was it was kind of like a twofer but Uh, i was like a a rope event see i'm taking notes because i have so many (laughs) questions a rope event do you ever bring it up like when you're before you meet someone is it like a deal breaker for you if they're not into that kind of i mean if it's going to be a a, like a romantic partner Mm -hmm. yeah they have to be they don't have to be into it themselves but they have to be at least open and cool with me you know i guess doing rope or playing with lots of other people um when do you bring it up to them usually like immediately because (laughs) it's sort of part of my identity at this point so i don't seems like a pretty good initial filter yeah yeah okay if you're not cool with it then whatever we can be friends or we can ride bikes but we're not gonna probably be intimate (laughs) well so okay um so many questions about just fetishes in general. Sure. Because we love talking about fetishes on this show. Okay. We've had guests who would argue that they develop fetishes depending on the partners that they're with. Mm-hmm. So some people have fetishes regardless of who they're with, and some mm-hmm. people have fetishes uh, dependent on who they're with. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? Um, I guess I can do both. Like Rope is something that I've can do with lots of other, you know, different people because I just like kind of feel it inherently in me. It's something that is of me, not of someone else. Um, but yeah, I've definitely had partners where, um, you know, I met them through the rope community and then we started dating and then we did like light, you know, dominance and submission kind of stuff that I found really fun, like orgasm denial and control that, but I, I don't really seek that out with other people if it's just kind of, if it happens to come up in a situation so... open. Have you dated someone where their kink was too much for you? I haven't. Um, you know, I don't really... And, and even in, like, the context of, like, a play situation where someone's like, hey, I want to do this to you, usually you just say, no, I'm not okay with that, but, you know, we can do all these other things. It's never like a, I get so squicked, I run away kind of a thing. It's usually like, oh, sure, that's just sure, not but, my kink. <laughs> but you said that, like, 
if someone's not into rope, that's kind of a deal breaker for you in terms of a relationship. Sure. So what, I, what I'm wondering is, have you met people where you weren't willing to do kind of regularly what their main kink was and it was a deal breaker for them? I haven't actually, but you know what? I'm pretty slow to like really trust and engage with people sometimes. So like I have play partners, but it's usually people that I've like thoroughly vetted like by watching or like by interacting at like in vanilla settings first. So I've never really encountered the like one kink that I won't do. <laughs> Not that I, I mean, I'm sure they, I mean, I, mean, I know they exist. But <laughs> well, Ava, I have a list. Let's go down. All right, yeah. sure, yeah. <laughs> Tomatoes. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I mean, definite yes. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Where are they going, though? <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever dated someone who said, you know what, um, I've never done ropes, but I'm open to trying? And then you had to introduce them to the fetish. There's no one I've actually had to introduce to rope. Um, I've definitely, like, taught bondage classes and introduced people to rope that way. Really? And that's cool. Yeah, we're really beginner bondage classes. Like, the first one I did was at Burning Man last year, and it was really fun to, like, be walking around um, Black Rock City, like, four days later and see someone in the harness that I had taught him, and, like, he was just giddy. It was really nice, but, yeah. So, so transport us there to like a beginner's rope class oh. what would you what are the fundamentals that you teach oh you know it, this was just a grand experiment I'm actually going to try and teach it again at a, a workshop coming up which I'm really excited about but um I just you know teach like a, a basic like tie to restrain like a wrist like a limb so like a single column of rope will go around and you can attach that limb to a certain point like a bed post and you can take the other limb and attach it to another point so like a bed post and then like eventually you have four rope you know ropes on you on all of your limbs and you're like spread eagle and like ready to go um or you can do something like super decorative like a a body harness that um does you know like a triangular pattern was the one i did uh, i taught it's really easy and you kind of kind of just run around in pretty rope on playa. So, so this is like the next version of uh, the Boy Scouts rope course. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there is art There's to tying a rope. <laughs> there is art to it. Yeah, it is. I mean, a lot of people consider it an art. I mean, especially like the Japanese consider it a, kind of a serious art. So, <laughs> do you like being tied up, or do you like tying up other people? So, it's a great question. So, um, I like being tied up mainly. Um, I love that headspace. I love the like giving over of control. I like how the rope feels on my body. Um, but I'm trying to learn how to tie people up. So I'm doing a lot of self-tying right now. Uh, I don't trust myself not to injure someone. I should have like disclaimered before we even got into this topic. But rope is actually very dangerous. <laughs> so please proceed with caution. Don't do anything stupid. Don't tie yourself up alone. Always have a buddy. Um, but um, yeah. So so I've been doing self-suspension um, recently. I'm trying to get myself to a point where I know how to tie things on myself, and then maybe I can transfer that to another person. But I'm not there yet. <laughs> you know what I'm starting to learn here is, because I know nothing about the subject, uh -huh. when I heard that you like being tied up, I thought it was actually just being tied up by oh. silks or by, like, handcuffs. Mm -hmm. But for you, it's actually the feeling of the ropes. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is like a, a kind of a, a headspace, but yeah, just having so like there's so many natural like there's natural fibers that I like. I'm a big fan of jute. I don't know why. There's also like what's that? What is yeah. <laughs> jute? Is like yeah, it's a, yeah, it's just a fiber. I'm not. It like comes in like it's like uh, rugs yeah. that are made out of jute. Like it's like hemp and jute are like the natural fibers, um, but I like that. I love the way it smells. Like I'm just like ugh, totally. Is it softer? Enjoy. Is it what's? Um, no, it's like rougher. So it, like it, there's like an abrasive f 
factor that oh, I, sorry, I really like. Oh, sorry, we're going like. the other way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's silk rope. There's also coconut rope, which is super Ooh, ouchy, yeah. which is fun. <laughs> but, but what about, like, if someone tied you up with, um, like, furry handcuffs? Would that totally turn you off? Is that super, huh. like, yeah. super generic? It's really weird. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, I guess totally entrenched in the kink community, but I've totally missed some of those milestones, like fuzzy handcuffs. Like, I've never done handcuffs or fuzzy ones. <laughs> you um, can't go back now. <laughs> uh, I, I don't... Are, are you kidding? What, what happened to your 18 and 19-year-old? <laughs> but do you... You know what I mean? It's like... Yeah. As someone who coming into this, these are the stereotypes that I sure. think of when I think of like BDSM. It's yeah. the furry handcuffs. It's the silk, and then it's the blindfold. Yeah, the blindfold. What you learned on Fifty Shades of Grey. What I learned on Fifty Shades of Grey, and all <laughs> those like, no. movies oh, that God. talk about it. But I guess those are things that visually look appealing in movies or on TV. Show, you know, on TV. Yeah. But nobody really shows like rope tying. No. If you think about it. Yeah. Not really. I mean, Fifty Shades did get into like a tiny, tiny bit of bondage. I actually know the the rigger, the rope top, who was like con- consulted on that film and the rope top. It, oh, rope. Yeah. So yeah, let's go over some yeah. terminology let's real get, quick. Yeah, let's yeah. go. Um, yes. So um, so if you're uh, you know in into BDSM, um, there's usually a uh, a giver of an action and then a receiver. So in the case of rope, the person tying the rope is considered the rope top. Um, but there's also other um, levels to being a top. Um, you could be a dominant, a dom, so someone who likes to um, take control, and that can take the form of like physical control or even like emotional control to a certain extent. Um, and then like a, a level above that is um, master, master slave, where a master actually exacts like total ownership over a human. Their slave, um, and this is fully negotiated, agreed upon, consented to in advance. Um, but then going back down that ladder, so from slave you go down to um, submissive. A level down from that is is me. I am considered. I consider myself a rope bottom. So I just like the sensations. I like having the actions done to me. Um, but I don't really dabble too much in dominance and submission or any of the other tiers. And when you get into the BDSM community. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing there's sort of this really friendly vibe where you can share experiences. Like you were saying, you play with each other. But then do you develop emotions while you're in the middle of playing with each other? Oh, yeah, certainly. You can. Um, you can also, I mean, there's there's different levels of, of interacting with someone. So sometimes it's, for me, like just rope, which is like... It could just be like a demo situation where, hey, I need to practice this particular tie. Will you be my model? And it's like, oh, yeah, sure. And then it's just like, you know, kind of boring. Um, that was the non-sexual. Yeah, it's like the non-sexual. Rope. Academic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like for science. Um, and I'm happy, I'm happy to do that kind of rope with people, especially if it's a trade. Like we can practice on each other. Um, and then there's um, kind of the more like just play, but that could involve some like other actions like impact play or like um, you know toys of certain kinds, but there's still not might not be like a whole lot of emotional connection. It might just be like, hey, this is the parameters in which we are setting up. They're called scenes, um, and this mm. is kind of what's going to happen. Um, and then you know, yeah, there's there's like the the deep the deeply connected rope, which is uh, you know, or any kind of BDSM scene, and that's like beautiful too. Um, and I've had like all different kinds, and it's. Yeah, it's a fun. It's fun in all in all the ways. <laughs> I mean, it strikes me that this like any kind of kink just requires so much communication that yeah. like that kind of predisposes itself to emotions in a way. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. I um I tend to like 
the people I play with. So like I, I have kind of a baseline, you know, connection with them most of the time. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's sexual. It's just like, you know, oh, I like you. You're, you know, a good person. Uh, of course you can like step on my face or whatever, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, like it, you do have to communicate though. Like, and that's something that I should stress as someone who is talking about this topic and sort of an expert seat. Although I do not claim to be an expert at this at all. How does your sexual life play into how you view relationships and what you want? That's a really good question. Um, I, I, I kind of find that I like all different kinds of things in life and in sex. So I also don't really believe in monogamy. So mm. I, I've never really felt like my partner, um, and I am actually looking for kind of a nesting partner at this phase in my life. You know, I'd like someone to like wake up next to and start a vinyl collection with, et cetera. <laughs> um, so yeah, but I, I don't think that like whatever they're into in any way is going to um, like, you know, I'd probably like them as a person. I, I don't need them to be like fit into a certain box, like sexually or otherwise, because I, I feel like I'd, I'd have the freedom to explore whatever I need to explore with others. So. So in terms of just for yourself, is it about the experiences of playing with multiple sorts of people or is the sexy at all to think about trying different experiences with one person? Oh, yeah. So like as you go down the kink rabbit hole, they, they have a or we have a saying, which is like anything that was like a, a hard no or like a red when you first got into it is going to be like a hell yes six months from now. So like, yeah, I've definitely had that experience with like, I don't know, certain types of things like needles. Like um, I, I'm kind of squicked by needles. I like when I go to hospitals, I freak out. But like, you know, I think it was probably six months ago, my partner, you know, he had needles and he had taken a class and he's like, Hey, you want to do this? And I was like, okay. <laughs> and, and like, I'm also really driven by fear. I so, love- so hold on. You're going to, you're going to say that and not, how was it? Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So he, he just basically placed needles like right on my chest, kind of like underneath my collarbone, but like above the breast, um, in this like little formation called a pleasure button. So you kind of like push it. Ooh. It goes boop. So not acupuncture, not acupuncture. No, (laughs) but, but for me, it was mainly like, Oh my God, these like pokey things are coming at me. Ah, I kind of like, I I sort of thrive off that fear a little bit. Um, so yeah, I definitely want to do more, more needle play. Um, and then the thing I want to work up to that I'm completely afraid of right now, but I really want to do is is something called hook suspension. Have you heard of this? I really just want, I was thinking about going up to Portland and doing it. Oh, this, Portland. Yeah. <laughs> That's Can where you do a hook suspension. Uh-huh. What is it exactly? Hook suspension is um, just like placing hooks in different parts of your body and then hoisting you, you up so you're like hanging in the air. Usually they go on like your back. Sometimes they can go on your chest. I've seen people suspended from their knees. Um, and it's like, it's a pretty invasive process. Like definitely, I mean, it breaks skin, there's blood, there's scarring. It's like crazy, but it sounds like just totally blissful and euphoric to me. It's so scary, <laughs> but, but that I was, be- I was fully on board with rope by the way. But. <laughs> until, until all the needles came out. I just called like, Kate. Hey yeah. Kate, get ready. <laughs> Warm up those wrists. Oh, no, we're we're going to practice, right? Oh yeah, totally. I but I guess I want to re-ask that question because I didn't know it was not the right, my train of thought was not right. Sure. What I'm thinking is, thinking about the evolution of when you get down this fetish rabbit hole, uh-huh. 
Will there ever be a time where you've basically exhausted all the fetishes out there, every co- combination possible, and then it, then what? Vanilla sex. <laughs> like well, whoa. So so I wasn't I wasn't expecting hooks. So I'm gonna go with no. <laughs> well, I've seen the hooks in movies. There are I mean there are so many different flavors to this this place. Um, so I don't really know where like I've I've done some things that like I was surprised by and like I. Pet play is something that I've never really been into. Which pet play? It's, um, yeah, it's where, like, people identify as an animal, and so some, some people, like, dress up like puppies or dogs or horses, and then they have, like, a, usually a handler that, you know, gives them scratches and, like, throws them a ball, and, like, you know, sometimes people are, are bridled if they're, like, in, like, pony mode. Um, so I was just like, Fun. that's, like, a strange... Realm. They have that at Folsom Street, right? Yeah, totally. I mean, they have it at like all kinds of like big fetish cons, and like, and there's also groups in the city you can go to to get hooked up with those people if you um, want to. I was actually considering going to one, but anyway. Um, so yeah, hmm. long story short, um, I I started as a joke with a, a, a couple that I played with uh, in Rope that I was their baby goat. Um, and so it, it somehow devolved or evolved into us like doing a, a full on goat scene where I was like tied, like they had like a collar around my neck, a rope collar, and I was like bleeding in the dungeon and they were like beating me. And it was like, wow, this is really fun. Was that one sexual or was that just. That was just masochistic yeah. and weird. Um, <laughs> that was another thing I like so. to kind of keep it weird. <laughs> So let's let's back up a little bit, because um, sure. you said, "Hey, I I really like to have multiple play partners." Yeah. Um. So not non-monogamous. Um. Is that something that's pretty common in the kink scene? I would think that yeah. I mean, the, the kink scene is like open in general. Like it's also very like gender inclusive. Um. I mean, people would argue that point probably. Um. But because like it is a, considered you know on the fringes or a little bit. Not so much deviant, that's not the word I want, but, um, you know, it's weird. So I, th- I think that as as people, the, the kinksters are a little bit more accepting of alternative arrangements. But that... are people in the kink community monogamous? Are any of them monogamous? Oh, absolutely. There's all kinds of, all of the flavors of people exist in the kink community as exist in real life. So, yeah. Hmm. It's This is fascinating to me because it's this kind of, like, underground community that, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I guess... I was going to say taboo, but this is, yeah, taboo, and this is almost where the word comes from, right, in terms of... Yeah. I was going to um, invite you guys to Bondage Agoga later tonight if you want to come. I'm so down. Yeah. Okay. What happens at Bondage Nails, Nails Marilyn Manson mashup night, so... Um, oh, what, oh, what does that even mean? Bondage Agoga is, like, one of, I think, the longest-running rope events in San Francisco, but it's, like... It, and it also kind of mixes the vanillas with the kinksters, but it's just rope bondage happening, there's suspensions happening... People just kind of like, you know, dressed in their like awesome fetish gear and drink and dance and whatever. I'll get I'll get my sweater vest. <laughs> you could be my little. I don't know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> pony, what do you, you want to be? <laughs> There's just nothing different about fetish community than like trekkies or people who do <laughs> cosplay or you know what I mean. I think it's just I always thought like kink community was very much sexual based, yeah. but it's not. It's right, actually. Yeah sort of a lifestyle and mm-hmm. also it's just an alternative way of expressing yourself like sometimes I bark for no reason and I realize hey that could be a fetish I really like barking I love barking I will admit it right here <laughs> well, you guys heard it first maybe I'm a dog cool. I love barking my boyfriend would tell you he'd be like why are you barking all the time I'll bark at anything I love barking so hold on can we get a bark yeah 
I just do that a lot. Like, <laughs> I turn the corner and I just Aww, go, that's adorable. It's all the time. That's adorable. <laughs> but it could be sexual. Do you like to know what kind of know. dog you are? Do you have something I'm a doodle mind? of some sort. Oh, okay. Golden doodle, awesome. most likely. Yeah. Awesome. That's sort of my favorite thing. But yeah, I don't, I didn't realize that there was like kind of a non-sexual, very playful side to this. Oh, absolutely. And it's all about just kind of exploring the yeah. multiple facets of who you are as a human being. And we're all weird. I'm, yeah. You know, I really think we're all weird. Totally. But it just takes a little something to bring it out of you. Totally. So I'm going to do a round of stupid questions. We should just ask stupid questions that we have on our mind sure. and no judgment. Uh, when people play with tangible objects like rope or um, handcuffs or whatever, mm-hmm. do they clean them between people? Yes. Yes. Okay. So it's really important to wipe them down, right? I mean, if you're a conscientious kinkster, yeah, absolutely. If you if you share toys, you clean. Leather's hard to clean. It's possible. Um, so a lot of people who are partnered have specific toys they use for one partner. Um, you know, like anal beads. Like no matter how much you clean that, I wouldn't want someone else using a used one on me. Yeah, I mean that's totally within your right to like talk to your partner about before you you bring out the anal beads. Oh my god, I just thought of something. It's like. In addition to what diseases do you have conversation, let's talk about how clean your equipment is, right? Yeah, I mean there's some there's some trust you put into your your play partner, but yeah, that's a great that's a great negotiation question is like, okay, where has this been and, you know, yeah, what what are my risks? Assess your own risks. How do you clean your ropes? Um, so I I don't totally clean them a lot. Um, but you can you can wash them by hand. Um, if they get really, I, I don't do any like fluid rope yeah. play with my rope. Um, so I don't feel like I need to like clean right. them between people. And most riggers would tell you, and I'm definitely not a rigger, but most, most people who do like rope a lot would tell you that if there's no like fluid on it, it probably is okay. Um, although don't quote me on that. I don't want to <laughs> be ostracized for saying the wrong thing. <laughs> well, it's like sharing clothes is probably kind of the same thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's not like. I don't know. If rope was on your body and then it went right on my body, I'd kind of be like, mm, okay. Yeah, did you did you, did you come yeah. on it? No? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's probably fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really dumb question. So, I mean, I think like it's interesting how rope play, a lot of it's not sexual. It's just. Yeah. Or it, a lot of it is sexual, sexual too. Just, yeah. I just don't do a ton of sexual role play. But okay. Yeah. So there is a side of it, though, that isn't. Like, is yeah. there any side of, like, anal beats or anything like that that wouldn't be sexual? Or is it just some yeah. things lend itself better than others? I think it really depends on the person. Like, maybe you just want, like, to hang out in a butt plug and, like, clean the bathroom or something, you know? Some like people do. Yeah. It's like, it's like you get off on the service element so of that and then, like, also kind of the invasiveness, but not, it doesn't necessarily have, I guess I say you get off, but you don't actually get off. You just, like, love that feeling um, emotionally or physically or otherwise. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, my friend May, who's an ER doctor, she says she sees things up people's crevices all the time. You would, and it's not always sexual. It's not always sexual. Yeah, she's seen it all. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, so you you talked about hey uh, sometimes hanging upside down where you kind of mm-hmm. get this like feeling in your head mm-hmm. of losing oxygen and and that's kind of like <laughs> a bad or like just a bad feeling. Are that were 
what have oh. been your other kind of like bad experiences oh. with rope? Oh, yeah. what's These something are really, oh, this is a great question, That's not a dumb question. That's like ended our dumb question round. probably the best question to ask because yeah, I have had some bad things happen in rope. Um, the worst thing that I had happen is uh, nerve damage. Um, so you can um, impinge nerves, especially with some specific kind of ties if you're in suspension bondage or even if you're not so one thing to really um, monitor if you're going to rope bottom is like sensations that are happening in your body so if you Mm. feel like tingling in your hands that could be a loss of circulation or it could be you know a sign of nerve damage um so i i've rope bottom enough that i like have a certain amount of body awareness so i know that if like my hand starts to to go numb and to like, you know, tell the person who's tying me up, Hey, this is happening. Can you like maybe adjust the ropes? So that if, if I do start to feel like nerve damage coming on, um, like I can actually feel it instead of having like no feeling. Um, but I was, uh, I was doing a double suspension, uh, with someone that I had tied with, um, you know, regularly and he left me and I actually left myself in a, um, an inversion for like half an hour. I had a hip harness on and it was, um, going over, I guess, not sure what nerve, probably the femoral cutaneous nerve, which Mm. is a nerve that runs like kind of over your iliac crest. Um, And I didn't notice anything was wrong until I came down and I was like, oh, you know, I can't really feel a big patch of my leg or like my upper thigh. And it's it's just kind of hurts. It's weird. And he was like, oh yeah, crap, that does happen sometimes. And it does. It usually takes four months to get sensation back. It just sort of, wow. yeah, it just sort of wow. feels strange, yeah. strange when you, when you shave. I had something else happen to me. It could be that I tore something, some connective tissue in some way that I'm not even aware of because I honestly still have like pins and needles sometimes in this hip and it's been, you know, a year and a half since this happened. I did physical therapy. I kind of like freaked out about it. I got like a nerve conduction study to like test my sensation. Wow. Um, so it's like, it's serious. You can fuck up your body hard and you can also fall. You know, you can have a head injury happen if you're, if you're suspended in rope. And even if you're on the floor in rope, you can so, have nerve impingement. So that, that particular instance with that, was that his inexperience or your lack of communication or kind of what, or lack of awareness? Like yeah, what? Yeah, that's a great question. Absolutely, it was not the rigorous fault. He just, um, you know, didn't like. There's no way to know kind of what's going on. Sometimes there's, it's easier to tell with your hands, your legs. I have found it harder to tell sometimes. Although now I know that, like, hey, if anything goes numb or if I'm feeling anything weird, it's like automatic down. Um, you don't really fuck around with like that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I I think it was just like I was I was hanging upside down for a little too long. I probably should have come down before that. I don't know if it would have prevented anything. Sometimes these things can happen like, you know, within a few minutes, seconds. It doesn't matter. Yeah, and, and you kind of actually went in a different direction. I also kind of wanted to see in terms of things going wrong, like so much of this is around control. Mm-hmm. And like you've got to, and, and you mentioned, hey, I have multiple partners that I do this with. Mm-hmm. Um, have you regretted handing con- that kind of control over to someone? And That's like, a really good question. <laughs> yeah, um, one time I have, and I've been pretty lucky. Um, I don't know if it's because I'm like slightly, I don't know, like more assertive or like older when I got into rope or something, but like I usually like I'm pretty good at negotiating with the people that I play with ahead of time of like what's okay, what's mm. not okay, and I'm good at communicating in general during the scene. If something's not going well, then like I will absolutely say something and usually that solves the issue. But yeah, I did have one time where I felt like completely like emotionally fucked with 
to the point where I left the scene and the party just feeling like really icky. Mm. Uh, so it was like this guy who I had had a negotiation with and played with, but I actually like usually the one of the the things that you need to to be if I if I'm going to play with you is you need to like be able to see the humanity on the other side. Like I need to be able to read you a little bit and I need to know that you you know I'm a person, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is usually like not a big deal. But this particular person I just could not read. He was he was really hard for me to like kind of connect to. And so like the things he did if it, if they were done by another person would have been probably fine, mm-hmm. but to me it just like it it was just kind of fucked with my mind um a little bit. Like for instance, he um he said, I, he's like, do you want nipple clamps or, do you, or how do you, how do you feel about all these kinds of nipple clamps? And I, I okayed all of them except for the magnetic ones in which I said, like, I could probably only take those for a minute because magnetic cl- clamps will like inch in and inch in and inch in and pinch and pinch and Ooh. pinch more. So as time goes on. So he put them on me and made me count to 60, which I, I guess like was like kind of a loophole. And then he was like, there was some zappy things involved and there were metals. So it was just like a lot of things going on. So he basically broke the agreement that you had set up kind of before getting into this. I mean, I will definitely like say, I will admit it was like a loophole. I was like, I said I could handle it for a minute. And he he was probably like, he was more on the dom end of the spectrum than Mm -hmm. I was probably used to. Um, But we had a great like debrief afterwards where I was like, hey, that didn't work for me. Um, and here's why. And he was super receptive to it. And we were actually like friends and hang out at parties. So, so hold up. You have debriefs after this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> after the scene or? Totally. Yeah. And what do you talk? Is it like an exit interview? Like, how did you feel about that? <laughs> oh, what yeah. worked for you? What yeah. didn't work so, for you? So typically after a scene, um, there's the, something called aftercare. And um, it's basically a time for like the two parties involved to just get get their needs met like if you if, if I've just been up in rope I kind of just want to like lay and sometimes cuddle and like you know if you have just been tying me up maybe you need some water you need to like relax maybe we mm. like want to snuggle or like have sex or whatever the thing is mm. um, but yeah then then it's usually like especially in, in and this is all established beforehand yes you talk about aftercare like hey you know Boris what do you what do you want for aftercare what do you need for aftercare ice cream <laughs> so that's actually burrito aftercare is one of my favorite things burrito um. Totally like, down. Let's go get like you know do ropey things and then go get a burrito. Um, oh man, way to my heart. I feel like a lot of this could apply to dating as well. It's yeah. about one. What I'm hearing is you have to be really in touch with your emotions and your feelings. If something doesn't feel right, you should voice that. Yeah. And also um, going along with sensations that maybe are new, but being open to those sensations if they don't feel bad. Right. Yeah. Totally. And also this aftercare situation that's always been my thing i'm like i think every relationship deserves an exit interview you should sit down and talk about what worked in this relationship what didn't what we could have worked on you know it's like absolutely it's it's a great way to show your partner that you've really respected them as a human being yeah i i would agree with that i never really thought about it in that way because it was just something that's socialized as you're you go into these themes but yeah that's a great way to put that there's a pretty high barrier to entry what's like what would you say like the average ages of someone who's really into this scene so it seems like you've got to be pretty mature um ages definitely vary i mean you do want to be usually be 18 i mean most events won't yeah. admit you if you're not 18 but um yeah i mean i i there's like the the next generation group which is like you know anyone like 18 to 35 40 and then there's like you know the others that are i think it's like oh, next next time i'm defining myself as next generation <laughs> <laughs> uh, that actually leads into our uh question of the day we'll do this really quickly 
Question of the day comes from Rebecca. She says, I'm starting to explore the kink community and part of it scares me and part of it really excites me. Any advice on someone entering the community as a newbie like myself? Yeah, my advice would be education first. Um, so there's ways to find if, the, if this person is in San Francisco. Um, there's a, a calendar online called Arrow Bay, arrowbay.com, which is mm. where I looked. How do you spell that? Uh, E-R-O-B-A-Y dot C-O-M. And uh, I think, I could probably double check that. But um, also there's a, it's basically like a Facebook for kinky people, a way to connect. It's called FetLife. I'm sure you've heard of it. Um, but that's another great way to like learn about local events. Um, the things that I would suggest would be like go to a munch. A munch is just like a kinky meet and greet at a bar usually. A munch? It's called a munch. <laughs> <laughs> that's how, yep, that's what I, when I... Totally different connotation in my mind. Hold on, what's the event that we're going to later tonight? Bondage a go-go. Bondage a go-go. Bondage a go-go. Oh, yes. I don't know. I'm probably not even going to bondage a go-go. But um, <laughs> don't tease us like that. <laughs> if you guys want to go, I'll totally take you. Um, no, there's like all kinds of different great events. Um, I would just say, please learn first before you go doing all of the things, because sometimes it's like you're a kid in a candy store and you want to do it all, and then you end up in situations that you maybe not, didn't want to be in or you end up getting hurt. Um, I definitely, when I was a newbie, um, didn't probably take it as slow as I should have, and um, now I am really um, into you know mentoring and fostering like a community that um, makes sure that newbies are taken care of. <laughs> One last question. I forgot yeah. to ask you this. Do you, mm-hmm. Does your family know that you're into this? Oh, that's a really good question. Yeah, so I'm pretty open with just about everyone, especially people who are close in my life. Um, the exception is my dad. <laughs> um, I told my mom about this, and she has taken a good year plus to come around to it. But I have a really close relationship with her, and it was kind of one of those, Mom, like, will you please just try and understand? And so we did a lot of, like, back and forth, like, she's my mother. She just is concerned about my safety. I need Mm -hmm. to respect that. And, like, hey, you know, I'm her daughter. I want to be me, and I want to feel accepted for who I am. And, like, this is pretty critical to who I am, so Mm -hmm. I needed to share it. Um, My poor mother is, like, Um, (laughs) long-suffering. So so what does getting, accepting it mean to to you? I don't want to have to go home and be like, hey, I'm headed to Portland what are you going to do there? I don't want to have to lie about that or come uh, up with some like story. And then, you know, I don't need, to, you know, I don't need to give her like grotesque details of my night, but like I could, you know, I was like, yeah, I went and I connected with these people and it was really fun. And yeah, you know, just so she knows that like, this is a really like great supportive place full of people that I actually care about and like really fun things to do. Um, so she had a conversation with you about safety. Yeah, I mean, she didn't like. I mean, her one of her questions was, "Do you wear helmets?" And I was like, she's like she, that's, "That's such like, a motherly question." I know. She's like, "Well, no, don't wear helmets." She wants me to be on like full on climbing gear and like have the, like the drop <laughs> the drop pad like underneath it. And like, I this, totally this could be a new the market segment for REI. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's where, that's actually where you get a lot of your equipment. Like, you get carabiners and stuff there. So. Oh, oh. my God. REI has no idea. <laughs> I'm sure they, they do. They change their advertising. <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, maybe they don't. I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah my, my carabiners are, like, I think they're a brand called Rock Exotica, and they have little pirates on them, and that's why I got them. <laughs> so, hold on. Are you into rock climbing, then? I'm not. Wow. It's really weird. I know. 
I should get into it. That I would be weird so. if a fetish you had opened you up to a whole new sport. <laughs> totally. <laughs> okay, so we're going to wrap this up. I love this conversation because in addition to discussing dating, we like to open the conversation about different communities that exist, you know, around sex, around dating, around cool. interests. And this is definitely eye-opening. And we invite more communities to come on and tell us what your community is all about. Also, I want to thank Boris for being my guest host today. Awesome questions. Thank you, Ava, for coming on and sharing with us your life. And last but not least, stay dateable. Your action item for this week is to ignite your curiosity. Is there a topic that you're really intrigued by or an activity that you've been wanting to try or even something that's so out of your comfort zone but you want to learn more about? Take action on those curiosities and you never know, it could open you up to a whole new world or at least a whole new way of looking at the world. The most efficient way to meet new people is a combination of online and offline. 500 Brunches has your offline covered. Connect over brunch with new friends. Come alone or bring a buddy. There is always a table full of friendly faces, mimosas, and eggs benedict. Sign up at 500brunches.com and use the code DATEABLE for a free entry. To connect with us, visit datablepodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under Datable Podcast. Mm-hmm.